following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 4, page 1016 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Um, and today we are going to be dealing with one of the most important subjects in the whole Bible. Not to oversell it because you're already here, um, but uh, the topic at hand in 1 Peter 1 through 4 is the responsibilities of church leadership. And I bet that's exactly what came to your minds when, when I said it was one of the most important uh, Yes, finally. Well, uh, it is, whether you feel that way or not. We're not subject to your feelings. Praise the Lord for that. I'd like to begin first with a passage from the Gospel of John, and then we'll dive into First Peter. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, And I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the tremendous privilege that it is to gather together in your name, whether here in this place or uh, watching online or watching this recording Father, we pray now your spirit would speak to us through your word. For these are your words, not old and ancient and dusty, but living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we pray that you would divine between the bone and marrow, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, comfort us, Instruct us by your word, Lord, we pray. And may we be different as a result. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the Lord as a shepherd is a recurring theme in Scripture. Um, And it's not only because we have a funeral service this afternoon that Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, uh, is one of those passages of Scripture that's, that's uh, everybody used to memorize back in the old days, whenever that was, um, and it's, yeah, um, and it gets recited at every funeral. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. It's a psalm of comfort because the Lord, as our shepherd, that's a comforting thought that there is someone greater than us, looking out for us, guiding us, 
and making sure we have everything that we need. Well, the psalmist writing in Psalm 23 was referring to Jesus. And the New Testament also refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. He said so himself that he's the good shepherd. Peter calls him the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. And just as Jesus is our one great shepherd, when he said that we have, he has sheep from another fold that must be brought in also, so there's one flock and one shepherd, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't Native Americans back then. He didn't come to the New World and preach the gospel for three days while he was in the tomb. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking to uh, Jewish followers at that time, and he said, there are others and not of this fold, and that's the Gentiles. And if any of you can't trace your lineage to Abraham, good news, that's you, right? That's us. And we have been made one flock with one shepherd. And just as Jesus is our one great shepherd, he has called men throughout the ages to serve as his under-shepherds. Uh, to follow his example of servant leadership, to feed and to lead and to watch and to warn his sheep. And that's what Peter's concern is in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. It's not the qualifications of these under shepherds. Those can be found uh, elsewhere in the New Testament in the letters um, the, to Titus and the first letter to Timothy. You can look at those on your own time. But Peter writes of the responsibilities of these men in 1 Peter 5. So let's look at that together. 1 Peter 5, 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. May the Lord bless his word. So Peter begins with a reminder of the basis of the authority with which he exhorts the leaders um, within the churches, not just uh, some random guy. Um, he is a fellow elder with them. He's not the prince of the apostles. He's not the vicar of Christ on earth. He's certainly not the pope, nor was he the first pope. He's a fellow elder. He was also a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was there for the betrayal and the denial, the trial, the beatings, crucifixion, of the Lord Jesus. But he was also the partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right? He was a witness of the risen Christ. He witnessed Jesus' ascension back into heaven. Peter had been there through the whole ministry of Jesus Christ, culminating in his death and resurrection and ascension. Peter was someone to be listened to. He was a witness of those things. He could speak with first-hand experience. And now, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he earnestly appealed to the elders of the churches 
as it says in verse 2, he exhorts them, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now, if you're a, if you're a Greek language nerd like me, um, you, we have in these, this op- these opening verses, Peter uses three interchangeable words that the New Testament uses to describe those whom the Lord appoints to look after his church. Pastor, elder, overseer. Um, and I, I say that those three words are interchangeable because they are. Fair enough. Uh, they mean the same thing. Um, and because I know you love this sort of stuff, the Greek words here, the first is poimen, which means shepherd. The Latin word, you're never going to believe this, is pastor. <laughs> Weird. Uh, it, and, and it means that's it's where the word poimen is where we get the word pastor, but we get it from Latin for some reason. Uh, and it means shepherd. Uh, presbyteros is the second word. You writing this down? I mean, this is, this is I love this stuff. Presbyteros means elder. Uh, it means elder, not older, but elder. That's important. Uh, that's an important distinction. The third word is episkopos. Um, everybody's favorite word. Episcopos, which means overseer. So they're all used here in, in verse 2. Uh, and they, they're all about the same thing. Um, you may, uh, some of these words may sound familiar to you. Um, presbyteros and episcopos, that's where we get our words Presbyterian and Episcopalian. But why those words are used to describe uh, some churches and denominations is a discussion for some other day because I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> What's important is the role. As I said, Peter was not concerned at this moment about the qualifications, but rather the responsibilities of these men. And I do want to point out just one qualification so that we avoid confusion uh, and that is according to the Bible, which is really important. According to the Bible, pastors, elders, overseers are men. It's a, it's a role for men. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm just going to say that's what the Bible says. And we stand on that authority. Um, that this is God's word for all time, not just this was for them then. Uh, but it is how... God organized his church to be. So uh, don't be upset with me. I'm just reading the word. Um, You can take it up with the Lord, but he's going to (laughs) win. Don't get mad. Don't walk out. If you want, we can talk about it later. Um, But for now, just bear with me. Understand that the Bible describes this role is set aside for men. And like I said before, elders are not always oldest. Uh, elder doesn't mean older, but it, it's rather uh, those most experienced and mature among the churches. Um, age is no guarantee of maturity. I can guarantee that personally. 
So can Kenny. <laughs> so what does Peter what does Peter exhort the elders to do? What does he urgently plead with the elders to do? Shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight. Now there is a ton to be learned just from that statement. Um, first of all, the flock. It's really important how Peter refers to the flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, right? The flock, that's a bunch of sheep. It's a bunch of sheep. Um, And they belong to God, not to the elders, not to the pastor, not to the overseers, not to the deacons, not to the welcoming committee. Maybe the fellowship committee, but they belong, first of all, to God, right? And as a pastor, which I don't even, I don't know. As a pastor, I often get asked about my church. Um, Like, how big is your church? Where is your church? And I know what people mean, but... I'm sure you do too, but the truth of the matter is that the church doesn't, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God, our Father. You, you don't belong to me. You belong to God. We belong to God. And that, like, you are so much better off not belonging to me. You can ask my kids. They'll, they'll tell you. The church belongs to God, our Father. We were purchased with the blood of His Son, Jesus. And Peter calls, Peter himself called us earlier in this wonderful letter, a people of God's own possession. We belong to our Father. The church, individual churches, do not belong to their individual pastors. They do not belong to their individual denominations or networks of churches. They belong to the Lord God Almighty. And the responsibility of pastors and elders is to shepherd that flock. Shepherd the flock of God. Now, uh, not to put words in your mouth, because I know you're already wondering uh, this. What, uh, what is the difference between pastors and elders? Um, well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I knew you were wondering about that. Biblically speaking, no difference at all. The words are interchangeable. In fact, the word Pastor, as a role, only gets used once, and that's in Ephesians 4.11. And you can maybe stretch it here, but it's a verb. Shepherd the flock of God, not be a shepherd of the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. It's an action here. Um, as, a, as a pastor, I am a shepherd. I, but as a pastor, I am an elder. Um, just as Mr. Aaron is an elder and just as Craig is an elder. That's the, um, that's the role that we, that we fulfill. Um, the only difference between me and them is I'm supported financially because my primary work is preaching and teaching. Um, but as you have all witnessed, all of the elders are apt to teach, not just, um, not just here from the pulpit, but anytime you interact with them. Uh, They're able to apply scripture to life and life's problems. Um, That's that's um, 
That's the work of elders. The work of a shepherd, according to Alistair Begg, is to feed, to lead, to watch, and to warn. A shepherd's work is to lead the sheep entrusted to him to the wholesome pasture of the word of God. To guard the sheep from the poisonous weeds of false doctrine. To chase off the wolves that are false teachers who would gobble them up or carry them off or scatter them. And to go before the flock by their own example of love and good deeds. 19th century French psychologist Claude Bernard said, Tend the flock with your mind, with your mouth, with your work. Tend it with prayer, with exhortation, and exhibition of your example. And as shepherds, we have a wonderful example to follow in this work, a wonderful pattern to follow. Jesus, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. And what is his example? He said there in John 10, we already read, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is our example. The flock come before our own needs. Paul wrote in one of the passages about the qualifications for elders, Titus chapter 3, he said, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. He's talking about the same thing, elders. He desires a noble task, and the task is indeed noble. Peter warns against motivation that may not be so noble in verses 2 and 3. When he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is a warning against three terrible but pervasive motivations to want to be a pastor, to want to be an elder, to want to be a leader in a local church. Compulsion, greed, and the lust for power. I've I've often counseled young men who wanted to be pastors, who wanted to go into ministry, And my advice for them is the same every time, and I say it with love, if you could possibly do anything else, go do that. And that's not because ministry is horrible. It's hard, but it's wonderful. But if you can do anything else, it means you probably should. But if God has called you to it, he will drag you, uh, carry you through it. Some of those poor young men even listen to me. But if God has truly called a person to this ministry, they will not be able to stay away from it. It will find its way into their, to their lives. And I praise God for those who listened to my counsel, foolish as they were, but eventually found their way uh, back to ministry, back to leadership in their local churches. And they do so cheerfully. And this under compulsion idea is really important because you think about the pressure that's on pastor's kids. 
to follow in dad's footsteps. You going to do what your dad does? You going to join the family business? Right? Yeah. Um, some have been gifted for it. Some have been called to it. To, but to be pressured into it by the expectations of their parents or of others pressed on them is wrong. That's It's wrong. There are also great temptation temptations to use the office of overseer or elder or pastor for shameful gain. This is probably the one that we're most familiar with because we've seen the gilded thrones on TV and great big hair and makeup. Right? We we have we've heard of the air conditioned dog houses and things like that. But honestly, even on smaller scale Using titles and influence in the church, in the church family to get what you want has nothing to do with shepherding the flock faithfully. The abuse of power is the third warning that Peter gives. Domineering over those in your charge. Just getting people to do what you want. Just controlling people. Controlling churches. Somehow feeding a psychological need to get what you want and to be listened to by ordering people around. It's a great temptation in ministry, in the ministry of church leadership. Martin Luther wrote, When the love of gain reigns, the shepherds are apt to become hirelings, even wolves. Those who pamper their bodies seek the milk and wool of the sheep. This is a dangerous position. The church is not just some resource to be exploited, as so many have. The church is a family that needs to be led and fed, to be watched over and warned when they stray. But Peter doesn't just say, don't do this. Don't be like this. Don't do it this way. Don't serve under compulsion. Don't serve for shameful gain. Or don't serve in your never-ending quest for power. Shepherd the flock willingly, cheerfully, by being examples for the flock. Verse 4 reminds us that this ministry comes also with accountability and reward. Peter says, when the chief shepherd appears, there's the hope of Christ's return. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And that's for faithful service. You don't get a crown for being a jerk. I don't think. I'm pretty sure. Under shepherds, pastors, elders, overseers will give an account of their work to the chief shepherd when he comes. And he is coming and that right soon. And the reward that he brings for faithful service is not sordid gain, but noble gain. A true prize, an unfading crown of glory. This is the victor's crown. Like, this is a prize. But also, you need to understand, if you don't already, Peter is using terms in plural. Because this ministry is a team effort. Nowhere in Scripture are pastors, elders, overseers described being alone, working on their own, 
This ministry is always plural. It's always a group. And if we've gotten this far and you're saying, nice, so what? What does that have to do with me? I'm not an elder, overseer, a pastor. I don't aspire to that noble work. It's very important because, let's close in prayer. No, I, it, because you are involved. It, this does have to do with you. This ministry is critical for the local church, and it's critical that we do it according to God's word, according to his pattern. Because when we come up with our own plans that just work better, they're a little more pragmatic in our minds. You know, that's how you end up with congregational votes and committees that, you know, meet endlessly to discuss the color of the carpet and whether or not to have pews. That's counterproductive. It's why we don't do any of that stuff here, because that's not what the Bible describes, right? That's very democratic, very American, go America. But that's not what the Bible has in mind for God's church. He has a wonderful plan. And the last time we gathered, I say we, it's like me and Caroline and George and Kenny and Linda, um, we, we had our last vote to vote away our right to vote. And entrust this work to elders, to oversee, to shepherd, and to, to lead and guide, to feed and, and care for, watch and warn this little flock. Because that's God's plan. Not that we get it right all the time. You should know that if you've met us, right? But this is the work that God's called us to. This is the work that God has designed for his church. This is the pattern. And many flocks have wandered off and got lost because their shepherds weren't faithful to follow the great shepherd and refused to feed the flock God's true word. That's why we're not skipping over this text. Many sheep have gotten lost because their shepherds got distracted by other things, programs and buildings and publicity, and they've lost touch with individuals. Now, I can say with all honesty, here in Crossroads Church, there's room for improvement. I get distracted. I wander off and focus on other things. And sometimes to the neglect of the flock, and I'm sorry. Here in Crossroads, there is room for improvement, but there is also room for expansion. If any man should desire to be an overseer, he desires a noble task. And I'll tell you what, the elders would love to hear about it. I'd like to close with one more quote from Alistair Begg. I want to say to you again that if you care about the church, not today, but if you care about the church should the Lord not return 10, 20, 30 years from now, Understand something. The election to the Supreme Court of the United States of America is nothing in comparison to the election of local leadership in a church so that generations yet unborn will be nurtured, led, fed, watched, warned as a result of decisions made in a moment in time 
a moment in time now that have longevity in the history and are actually they are, then actually are eternal in their significance. That's the truth. We read this word because it involves all of us. And we all have a part to play, whether it's as an elder overseer, pastor, or as a member of the flock. We have a responsibility, just as sheep have responsibility to follow the shepherd and the shepherds have responsibility to lead and feed the sheep. We're all involved. And it's important that we understand how the Lord has this design so that we're faithful to follow him the great shepherd. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, how grateful we are that we have a great shepherd who willingly laid down his life for the sheep. That you loved us so much that you would give your life on the cross to take the penalty for our sin upon yourself That by faith in you, we might be forgiven of our sin and welcomed into your sheepfold. We pray, Lord, that all of us would be faithful followers, faithful members of the flock, following the chief shepherd and submitting willingly willingly to the under-shepherds that you have appointed. Father, for those of us that serve in this wonderful ministry of leadership, may we continue to recognize that it's not us who are leading, that we're following you and calling your people to come along. Father, as a people, may we continue to pray for our leaders, pray for our shepherds, I thank you, Lord, for the faithful prayers of your people for me and my family. We pray, Lord, that we would all find our spot, our fit in this flock. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church. Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.